Welcome to a Veterans Podcast, powered by Wisconsin Veterans Network, the show where we hear unique, inspiring stories from veterans all over. Veterans who've transitioned, who've overcome obstacles, and even those still struggling. We will learn all veterans have a unique story, ones filled with pain and triumphs, and we will learn no veteran is alone, no matter the path they took. We share their stories to help motivate and inspire the world, to help understand what it means to be a veteran, and most of all, we share to give them a voice amongst the noise. You can find us at aveteranspodcast.com to learn more and how you can be a part of the show. Welcome back. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a Veterans Podcast. We hope everybody's doing well and you've listened to our previous episodes and you're enjoying yourself. We're glad to have you. But we have some sad news to share today. <laughs> Unfortunately, I am leaving. I'm moving out of state. Um, so from here on out, it'll probably just be Kelsey. But no concerns. You'll still get quality content. I mean, he's still going to be producer Noah. Yeah, you I just, still have to edit the show and do all that kind of stuff. You just won't hear his angelic voice anymore. Nope. <laughs> so we'll get started here in a second. And I believe we're interviewing myself. We are. I am excited. So that's that. Um, <laughs> today's show is sponsored by Wisconsin Veterans Network, an established Wisconsin nonprofit ran by veterans for veterans. Their mission is to provide guidance and support for all veterans, whether guard, reserve, active, or even a bad discharge, looking for any kind of assistance in the state of Wisconsin. If you're a Wisconsin veteran looking for an answer, whether a simple question about benefits or currently homeless, give them a call today. You can find more information about them at wisvetsnet.org or at aveteranspodcast.com. So. Today, our special guest <laughs> is Noah. I don't, like, I really don't know anything about you, so this is going to be good. I just know you served in the unfortunate branch of Army. Yes, so I served three years Army. Two years Air Force Reserves, and then what, like another 10 years Army, and then retired? So, yeah. Yeah. 15 years. That's that. Awesome. So why did you join the, the I almost said the Navy. Ouch. <laughs> why did you join the Army? So I joined in 2000 before pre, or well, pre-9-11. I think I actually joined in 99 but I, I had to have my mom sign before I was 18, and then I had to finish out my senior year in high school. I can't really answer the question of why. I have absolutely no reason why I joined the military. You just at did all. it? Well, my dad is a retired officer, and then previous to me joining, my brother had joined the Marines, and I was going to join the Marines, but I believe the Army recruiter was the first one to approach me because I just wasn't motivated. And the Army guy, I, I really, like, thinking back, I have no reason why I joined. <laughs> like, you're talking, like, pre-9-11, yeah. there was nothing going on in the world. And I was out of high school. I had no idea that what I wanted to do in college, nothing. So the Army came rolling along. and <laughs> I think there's, like, a song. That is the Army song. Oh, is that what yeah, you were doing? Along, Dad yeah. jokes. Okay. Um, so where were you on September 11th then? So I, I joined the military. I then 
did basic training in AIT, and then I was shipped off to my first duty station, which was Korea. Um, and I was in Korea during 9-11. It was actually, I think, during the time that I was supposed to take my one-month R&R to come back to the States, 9-11 happened. And that was just a surreal moment. I just remember us at the motor pool because I was a mechanic. Um, sitting at the motor pool, sitting around, not doing work, and just listening uh, to President Bush talk on the radio. And then we didn't know what was going on in the world. So, like, Korea was just a drunk fest. But as soon as 9-11 <laughs> happened, you couldn't drink, you couldn't leave post, you had to carry loaded weapons, and it was just, like, a whole different, a whole different world. That's crazy. So, and then from there... From there, uh, after that, I went to Fort Drum to 10th Mountain, and then I got out in 2003. And Were you prepared to get out in 2003? No. I Why, was, why'd what, you get out? What was, how old was I? 3, 18, 21, 22? Mm -hmm. Because I, I didn't, I was married, and my wife was in the same unit as me, and she was shipping off to Afghanistan, which for the record, I did try to go, but I had an injury. I got crushed by a truck in Korea. Yeah. So I wasn't allowed to extend or stand because of surgery. So she deployed. So I really, and it's kind of a rude thing to say, I just didn't have plans and she was making money. So I just kind of moved back home and hung out with the boys and, <laughs> you know, lived my life. And then, and then that got old. She got out in 04. And I think we moved to Ohio. And then <laughs> I... Because I didn't prepare myself to get out. Now, if I'm rambling, please interrupt me. Oh, you're fine right now. I didn't prepare myself to get out the first time. I was a mechanic. I really didn't know much about diesel mechanics. I needed a civilian job, and welding interests me. So I joined the Air Force Reserve, so they would send me to AIT for the Air Force to teach me how to weld, so then I could get a civilian job. So are the, are the rumors true about, about the Air Force? Which part? Is the food good? The food, like, dude. <laughs> and mind what you, are the I was <laughs> no, mind you, I was like Air Force Reserves, right? So that's like the extra first, special. That's extra special. The first time I go to the base, uh, we eat lunch. You get all your food, you put it on a tray, and you sit down and eat. And like these dudes just get up and leave their tray, and somebody comes and gets <laughs> it. And I'm standing there like, where do I take my tray? That's no, crazy. But it was. It was a weird thing to go from the Army to the Air Force, even during our training exercises. Like, I had to kind of teach them how to use a gas mask. Like, Interesting. It was a was culture it, shock. Did you have to go through boot camp or anything like that? Nope. Or was it just like a smooth transition? It was a smooth transition. I, I kept my rank E4, so I didn't lose any of that. Um, and I just I went to AIT as prior service, which we lived in a Hilton hotel for four <laughs> months on per diem nice. credit cards, and <laughs> and the other two guys I was with were prior Marines, so it was just like a shit fest for like <laughs> three, four months. But anyway, so I did that for two years, and then it became 06 when the big push in Iraq or Afghanistan was happening. Um, myself and my wife at the time, we were both in the Air Force Reserves. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't deploy us, so we said, screw you, we're going back to the Army. So we go to the Army in 06, go back active duty. Um, she deploys, and I get stuck in a four-year garrison shit unit. Ooh, party. So that was very depressing uh, and very difficult to deal with. Um, but then in 2010, 
Um, as soon as I finally switched units in 2010, like I went to Iraq, and then I went to Afghanistan like right after that. Um, and then came 2015 after my last deployment that I was just burned out, and I opted for a medical discharge. Okay. So it wasn't I asked for it. Yeah. Did you do anything to prepare then? If you were asking for that and you were looking for like to get out, yeah. were you preparing ahead of time to get out or? Nope. All right. Nope. I did my TAPS class. I bullshitted my way through TAPS class. I created a fake resume. Mm -hmm. I did everything to, you know, to get that check mark so I could clear and get out. Um, and the reason why, and maybe this is a little bit selfish of me, is I knew that I was medically retiring and I knew that I was going to be 100%. Okay. So in my mind, I told myself, you know what, I don't need to work. And if I do need to work, like I've deployed twice, I have 15 years in the Army, everybody and anybody's going to want to hire me. So I, you know, maybe that was my cocky attitude. <laughs> but um, that's not what happened <laughs> at all. So... I guess that leads us into our next question of what were some of the biggest mistakes you made during your transition? Uh, not, not, not giving a shit. Yeah. Like I'll just say it bluntly is I didn't, um, I relied more on the fact that I was going to be a hundred percent that I made this kind of money that I wouldn't have to work. Um, I had one kid, I was divorced I was dating who is now my current wife. I just didn't have responsibilities. And if I did have responsibilities, I didn't care. I just, I was burnt out. Mm -hmm. I was like completely just burnt out. I just wanted to be done and I wasn't focused on the transition. I had literally like no plans where to live, where to go, like <laughs> nothing. <laughs> and I could have stayed where I was living. But again, my current wife now, who was my girlfriend then, it's just we didn't talk about things, and I just I moved back home to Missouri um, and lived in my brother's basement for nine months. like Classy. Very classy. <laughs> I think I played video games, um, hung out at the casino, and just like I bought a truck to restore a truck. I just And then I spent two years with my oldest son um, just spending time with him and making up for all the years time. I was gone. So. But no, I didn't, I didn't plan a single thing. Mm -hmm. So when you were doing that transition, then um, what were, like, I guess it's like a twofold question, but what were the positives and did you find support in, like, organizations or something that made it easier? Or once you got out, like, after you lived in a basement and <laughs> and um, – just were kind of like living your best life, I guess. Yep. When did you realize, like, I have to do something more or I need to focus or kind of take us through that? It took me two years to figure it out. And it took me two years. Again, I lived in my brother's basement for nine months. After that, I then moved to Wisconsin um, with my current wife um, and still not looking for a job and just depending on the money, dependent on the 100% mm -hmm. um, that... I didn't look for veteran resources. I didn't look for any kind of assistance. I was a, I was a, what was that, a hobbit? Where you, like, live in a dark basement? Um, where you, like, shelter yourself from? Like people. Lord of the Rings? No, but, oh. like, there's a certain <laughs> term for it. A hermit? Yeah. 
I was like a hermit <laughs> for two years. I didn't interact with anybody I served with. I didn't talk to anybody through social media here and there. Any of the guys that I deployed with, I didn't talk to them. Um, Do you think it was regret? Like, were you at that point, were you regretting your decision to get out or were yep. you? Yep. I I was regretting leaving the service because I joined when I was 17 and you're talking 15 years of my life. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know how to dress. I didn't, all I knew was the uniform and the way the uniform made me feel and how much I loved the military and how much I loved serving with people, how much I loved being in charge, um, just those kind of things. And it was all gone. So... Um, I didn't, I didn't know where to go. I just, I secluded myself from the world for two years. Mm-hmm. Other than my son and my wife, that was it. And video games, that was it. And I think that's common uh, amongst a lot of veterans. I think many people don't realize what they're getting themselves into when they get out of the service. Because I think everybody at some point while serving is like, I'm done. Like, I yeah. can't do this anymore. I'm just going to get out. And some people, like, stick it out. And some people get out and then. I think it was e- my transition the first time I left the military, even though, again, I didn't plan. I didn't do anything. I didn't listen. Um, was way easier than me getting out after 15 years because I got out at three years where I wasn't fully, like, involved in the military. I wasn't, like, you know, eat, breathe, shit, army. Yeah. I was still kind of fresh to the world. I was young. I could adapt. But after spending 15 years of living that lifestyle, it was just, um, I didn't know how to turn it off. I didn't know how to, like, so it was easier the first time. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense. You were younger. But the first time I went, like, TAPS class was three days. The second time I got out was, like, a week-long process. But, again, after three years, I felt better. I was happier. Um... I didn't give a shit about anything, but, like... Do you think a lot of that had to do with, without getting into your service, but, like, because of your service and things you experienced, that it jaded you, for lack of a better word? Is that the right word? Jaded. Like, it it gave you a different perspective on the world. So, like, the first time you got out, you were 21 or 22, young, dumb, you know, whatever. But then when you got out as an adult... Yeah. That the life experience you had because of the military gave you a different perspective on like civilians, for instance. It's a- because I, I, when I first got out, was like, these people don't get it. They didn't even have the guts to serve. Like I, I had like a chip on my shoulder for, yeah. for a long time. That, that might be at the 15 year mark when I left, that might be the reason. I remember when I left after three years, I was happy. I hung out with my civilian friends. I rarely rarely mentioned I was in the service. I just lived my life. Like, But then when I got out after 15 years, even now I'm more so very reluctant to mention I served. Um, I see the world different. I'm older. I have more responsibilities. Um, but with that came, like, the fast lifestyle of the military. Like, it was just fucking hard on me. For 15 years after, well, coming back in, like, 10 years, it was just stupid, fast-paced and, like, just changes you I don't know yeah so getting out the second time it was just um the first time was exciting the second time was depressing that's fair did you have any positives during your transition out the second time uh no. besides marrying your girlfriend yeah. 
Sure, if she's <laughs> listening. <laughs> um, that uh, no, there was absolutely nothing positive about me getting. It. I don't. I don't. I don't. I just fucking. I just. Sorry. I just. I just got out and like didn't like. I don't know how to describe it. Like there was nothing positive about me leaving at the 15-year mark when I was five years away from retirement. And all I did to myself in doing what I did was make myself more depressed because then at that point, I regretted that I never finished. And I was at the five-year mark. Like, that's all I had left, five mm-hmm. years. And I was so close, and I quit. And that's a, that's a hard pill to swallow when I volunteered. Yeah. But, like... That's probably the biggest thing I'll live with the rest of my life. The biggest regret I will mm-hmm. ever deal with, and I had to deal with it then. Um, but, like, positive side, I guess, if anything, after 15 years, it allowed me to spend time with my son. Which is a huge positive. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I would pick up my kid, and he would stay with me for the summer, and I had never had a kid, and here I was having to um, feed him, I think. My my wife now makes fun of me. She's like, "All you did was give him Skittles for dinner." She's oh, jeez. Like, <laughs> but kid. that's the positive side is that I was able to spend time with my son. I was able to, um, again, I bought a truck and like restored it and just like do what I wanted to do, even if I was a couch potato or a vegetable. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. So, in your transition after that that time. Uh, for lack of better words, like feeling sorry for yourself, right? Yep. When you started back in the workforce, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that in the beginning you struggled just because I know who you are as a person. Yep. Um, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who is getting out of the military and going into the civilian workforce after 10, 15, 20 years of service? Because I think that's a different approach than if you serve four years and you're still young, yeah. you know, what, what kind of advice would you give somebody? I, I would say the biggest thing is swallow your pride. And the honest opinion is nobody gives a shit whether you serve or not. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares how many deployments you have. Nobody cares what you've seen, what you've done, your accolades, your awards. Nobody gives two shits. Mm-hmm. And that is not going to hold any water when it comes to um, – getting back into the workforce. Like, it just, it doesn't. Like, the biggest thing is, is is swallow your pride and understand that now you are starting over. And to people in the civilian world that have worked in corporate life for 10, 15 years equivalent to your service, like... They're further ahead than you. They're like, way ahead than you. You're like, you're stopping mm-hmm. it. You're starting at the bottom. Yeah. Like, you have to accept that. Like, I, I don't know any other way to put it. Yeah, that's fair. I think um, just because we are all told in the military that when you get out, you're going to have no problem getting a job. You have managerial experience, whatever. Managerial experience Mm -hmm. in a wartime situation, either in Iraq, Afghanistan, on a ship, whatever, is very different than corporate managerial experience. It is. It's in the the mentality is very different. The the other problem the the military does and I, I blame civilians for this, is when you're serving and you wear that uniform, everywhere you go, every civilian says, thank you for your service, thank you for your service. They buy you lunch. They do amazing things for you. Um, but as soon as you get out and you mention a veteran, you might get thank you for your service, but 
then they're going to turn around and tell you to go mop the floor or do something. You know, they don't it, – it's, it's just different. You get looked at completely different. And maybe it's mainstream media, maybe it's PTSD and all those kind of things that there's a stigma now involved with veterans um, that problems come with veterans. That's fair to say. Yeah, I think so. That's okay. Hmm. I don't know what to say to that. Like, it, which part? I think no. I I get what you're saying. Like with the you come back and as a veteran, because I know it. Like, if I got a big purchase, I'm going to ask if you have a military discount. No, I do it too. And sometimes they're like, uh, "Why would we do that?" I know. And I'm just like, um, "Okay, then." But like, cool story. like corporate world, I just thought I would be respected a little mm -hmm. bit more and treated. I don't know. For some reason, I had it in my head that like, like, I deserve it. I deserve your respect. And may, again, maybe that's my own fault, my cocky attitude sometimes, and my personality. But like, it's a very freaking like humbling experience to go from 15 years military to walking into it a corporate environment. Mm -hmm. Like, I will never do it again. That is like, it is a very humbling experience. Well, and, and even somebody who's, you know, 26, fresh out of college, has had five years in the corporate world, even though you've served for 15 years, when you walk into that, that building, that corporation, whatever, that 26-year-old has way more experience than you. And having the ability to see past yourself and see it as just a job is so different when your military service defined you as a human, you know? And I, I know we've, maybe some of the people we've talked to before, uh, like the retired Marine, mm -hmm. where he did like 20 years and um, starting over is that it's, um, the problem is, is I never thought I would leave the service. I allowed the military to define who I was, my personality, the way I lived my life. Like, I lived a fast, like, just stupid life. Mm -hmm. And then it was all gone. And I didn't know how to, like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I, it was a drug. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, I couldn't fulfill that drug anymore. And damn well, corporate world was not going to fulfill that need. Yeah. Um, so it's just, I don't know, that's just my experience with it. Yeah, I, I'm actually reading a book about transitioning out of the military because I thought it'd be good homework for this podcast. Yeah, um, and it just came out, but it states that and it calls it foolhardy or something crazy word. I don't know if he made that word up. Maybe um, I don't know. And he was ex spec op, so probably. Uh, um, <laughs> but that's exactly what he explains. Like you're so used to like go 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 go. Yeah. Like spur of the moment, make a decision. End of story. And then you get out and you're like, I have so much time. <laughs> I just, again, everything changed after 2010. Again, like 2010, I like, I went to fucking Iraq and like came back. I didn't have time to breathe. And then I was on my way to Afghanistan. Like it was just, it was a fast life, like mm -hmm. a fast paced lifestyle that I, I loved. It was a drug. It fulfilled an adrenaline need. But then when you take it all away and now I'm a couch potato playing video games, hanging out with my six-year-old that I've never seen, like, uh, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a drinker or a drug user. So I didn't know how to fill that void. Yeah. And then, okay, let me get a job. Maybe let me get back in the workforce and maybe I will fill that void. Well, just, 
<laughs> no, no. Not so much. Corporate world don't give, like, they just don't care about each yeah. other, like the military. And you're never going to find that in those kind of jobs. So, again, that's why I say it's a humbling experience to realize, like, um, you just kind of got to start over and turn it off. But Yeah, you know. I think that's solid, and I think a lot of people feel that way when they get out. And maybe some of the people listening are still feeling that way, like they miss that fast lifestyle and the always going and never knowing how long you're staying and things like that. So um, I think that's good to point out. So after you uh, shook the corporate world up a little bit, yeah, right. <laughs> that's the nicest way. To I say still it. like, side note, I still have hatred, like burning hatred inside <laughs> me for those people in that corporate office. I know. And they, they're never going to listen to this podcast, <laughs> but they know exactly who they are. And yeah. like, I have such strong burning hatred and one of them was a veteran, mm. an Air Force veteran. I don't hold that against, you know, I was in the Air Force. But, like, I have burning hatred for the way I was treated and the yeah. way I, I felt every day. It was just utterly disgusting. Mm -hmm. So if any veteran is dealing with that, like, that corporate transition and those feelings, like, you're not, you're not alone. And, yeah. and we should probably say, too, that not everybody's going to have that experience. No, so if you're no. enjoying yourself in the corporate world, like, like my, yeah, my yeah. ex-wife did 10 years, two deployments, and she works human resources in the corporate world, and she's succeeding. She's, she yeah. loves it. Like, not everybody's going to have that experience. But. Yeah, but your experience is um, pretty similar to what Yeah, I'll others. never go back to corporate. Yeah. Like, nope, it's not happening. Yeah, I don't think I could do it either. <laughs> um, so after you shook the corporate world up yep. and you rolled out, and then you um, – came upon this job at Wisconsin Veterans Network. Yep. What resources brought you here? So if you backtrack just a little bit, um, after my two years of doing nothing and deciding to go back, in, I did work as a welder for three months, mm -hmm. um, but I walked off the job because of my own self-pride. And then I was unemployed for six months and ended up in the corporate world um, and then ended up here. But at the moment... Before I became a welder and went into that, um, before my wife got pregnant, um, I had a midlife crisis, whatever the hell you want to call it. And the resources that I used to help me get through that hard time was the Vet Center. Mm -hmm. It was one of the most amazing resources I've ever used. I also obviously used the VA. Um, Can you explain what the Vet Center is, though, for our listeners who may not know about it or not know what it entails? So You can't quote me on this. But it was established to provide more mental health, behavioral health services to veterans to who deployed. And I believe if you're a regular service veteran who did not deploy, you can still use them, but it's limited amount of like times. Like 10 sessions or something like that. Right, something like that. But then if you're a deployed veteran, it's unlimited. So I actually worked with them for two years. They're the ones who got me the job at Wisconsin Veterans Network. I worked with them for two years, including... Um, the people, the VA, but the vet center had a different feel to it. He was a veteran. Like it was just a different atmosphere to help me get through the hard times and those. And then he introduced me to wounded warrior project, which obviously in like 2012, everything that happened with them um, left, you know, a sour taste in my mouth and, and who they were and what they were about. But I was reintroduced. I signed up with them to go to some events and then, um, I took the huge leap and went to the peer support group. 
Hey. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that was a huge step in, in just acknowledging that I needed more help. So Wounded Warrior Project, because they established the peer support group, that, that allowed me to be around veterans. And slowly, because the group was like, what, six people? Yeah, like four to six, depending on the day. <laughs> Had it been like 20 or something, I probably would have <laughs> never came back. Yeah. But because it was six, you could see the friendliness, and it wasn't we sit around and sing kumbaya and, like, eat food. It was we sat around and, like, made fun of each other, <laughs> like, dark humor, the military yeah. side of things. So it, like, it helped fill that void. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Wounded Warrior Project, the Vet Center. I'm not really going to put a lot of it on the VA um, just because, but outside of that, those were the only resources I knew about until I worked here. I did not know about the CVSO, the County Veteran Office. Um, I don't know, other organizations. But Yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah, I think um, even a lot of post-9-11 veterans today, because that's like a qualification factor for Wounded Warrior Project, is they remember like, old school yeah, the Wounded Warrior Project. Yeah, the bad stuff, which it's so different today. No, it was it was great for myself and my family. It allowed us to get out of the house and, and do events with our family. In a, um, a safe environment. I hate using the word safe space, yeah. but it, in like an environment where everybody there is going through the same things you're yeah. going through. So it, it gives you a chance to get together. And it's it's cool for like spouses and stuff. Um, it's different because your wife is prior military too, yep. but yeah. spouses can connect and whatever. So it's it's a neat program. No, it definitely it changed it definitely changed my opinion about them. Um, and now in every chance I get, I, I try to spread the word about the peer support, just because um, like combining that with the vet center was like the number one thing that kept my sanity mm -hmm. and like helped me get through those hard times to where I am now. Um, well, it gives you something to look forward to. It was. So it, and a break from the family. Yeah. Two freaking toddlers at home. And <laughs> like, hey, I just need to breathe. So Yeah. No, I think it was really good. So uh, as we wrap up, I'm so sad this is our last podcast. I'm not going to lie. But Noah doesn't get emotional, and I do, so we can't really talk about it. Because <laughs> um, this was really his brainchild, right? He came to me, and he was like, let's do a podcast. I just... And I'll say this for the record if I never get another chance to, is I I feel like there's 100 podcasts in the world, and a lot of the veteran ones, not all of them, but a lot of them focus on the Tier 1 operators. They focus on the Medal of Honors. They focus on, you know, um, the guys who had one hell of a stellar career. And I think everybody who served, no matter how you served, had a great career, unique story to yourself, and that the transition – um, every veteran has a transition story. And I think that that is the importance is for other veterans to hear they are not alone, that we all had our own unique problems, whether it was a little hiccup or whether it was like a full-on midlife crisis. <laughs> like, I don't know. But I find it important in sharing these stories because it allows you to feel like you're not alone and for civilians who don't understand the things that military people deal with after service, that it's an eye-opener that maybe you'll second-guess when you're just judging a veteran and, and just saying it's PTSD or something when that's, that's not always the case. Yeah. So maybe it builds more compassion for the veterans to understand the bullshit 
we dig through when we leave service. Yeah. Like, there's, it's just the way it is. Yeah, and I think, too, what we've heard from past people that we've interviewed or even people who've listened to the podcast is giving a veteran the chance to reevaluate everything they've been through and coming out on the other end. You know, most of the people we've talked to while they've struggled through, they're, they're coming to that high, right? And so yep. to hear all the things that you've gone through after service, like, and realize how far you've come, I think that's important for everybody to hear because somebody that's listening might be in the lowest part of it, you know, and, and there's always an opportunity to go up. So um, I am grateful that you started this podcast and um, everybody's stuck with me. But. You know, <laughs> One of the one of the other veterans said it on their podcast is that um, when you're sourcing resources for yourself, like don't I guess really don't take other people's opinions. See what it's about for yourself. Um, I will know now because of working in the veteran community and resources is that there are some bad apples. There are some really bad apples, um, but there are some very good ones, and I think doing your research, looking online um, at every option that you can to better yourself, and hey, if you just want to sit on a couch for two years and play video games, uh, have at it. Like, I mean, don't forget, like, your responsibilities, <laughs> though. <laughs> I'm, like, sure. the voice of reason. But um, so even to, like, before I ask you this final question, because I – I think the final question is the best one because I made it. Um, but <laughs> but we are on Instagram, so find us on Instagram. We post a lot of really funny memes, mostly, yep. and sometimes we talk about our podcast, but if you're looking for funny memes, that's the place. That works. Um, it's a veteran's podcast, all one word. Um, we're also online, uh, just like regular. Website. Yeah. Face no, Facebook, we're under Wisconsin I mean, we, Veterans. Yeah. Now, but. And we have, like, an attempt at a Facebook page, but, look, life is busy. Yep. Um, so come find us and be a part of the community because I think that's what a lot of us are missing most of the time. I just don't think things will ever change for veterans unless they take a stand and voice their opinions, voice their stories, and come together and just cut the bullshit and, like... Um, make a difference. Mm -hmm. Like stop waiting for the veterans to come to you. Stop stop waiting for the world. Like you, you have gotta, the tools. Just... You got to find them in their brother's basement. Yeah, right? Listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hello you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you right yeah. there on the couch. All right. With the Cheeto stain on your shirt. Yep. Um all right. So, this is it, Noah. Yep. This is your last chance until we call you in in like six months we'll we'll call and do an update sure we can do it over phone. <laughs> um if you could give a veteran advice on getting out of the military and what would you tell them young or old because you experienced it both ways what is the last bit of advice you want to leave you know all the previous veterans who've been on the podcast they all have their unique things and, like, I could sit here and say, have a plan, uh, have a backup plan. Um, but that's just feeding a line of bullshit. Like, I'm just going to be real for a minute. Um, I think what it comes down to is finding a support channel. And I'm not talking your family, your brothers, your sisters. 
I'm talking like either find a veteran, find somebody that you can talk to and communicate with and have an open line of trust communication and find that person and don't let them go. I'm not talking like a spouse, uh, a girlfriend, a fling, like <laughs> Tinder. Like I'm saying like, again, I spent, two, I secluded myself from the world and that was the worst thing I've ever done for myself and it hurt me. I will probably deal with that the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But like, it's not about having a plan. It's, it's about having somebody there to help you get through those times and understanding, um, be vocal, communicate your needs, and don't wait for shit to come to you. Like, don't. Just don't do it. Mm-hmm. So, Find your person. Find your person. That's like Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. I still, <laughs> like, it's just, it's, that's just... Like, I'm a very passionate person, and that's a very difficult question to answer because I'm just, I'm a real person, and I think a lot of the responses um, that we get from time and time again that you read everywhere is just, it's fluff. It's just fluff. The realistic fact is it sucks. It's hard. You're not alone. Like, um, there's always somebody dealing with the bullshit. Mm -hmm. You just need to, like, ask for help. Go to a vet center. Like, I don't know. Yeah, or come by here. That too. If you're in the area of... Wisconsin Veterans Network, you can swing on by. We have COVID protocols in place, so we'll talk to you through a window. But yeah. but Let's we're here glass. for you. Um, but yeah, find find a friend. You know, it's um, it makes life easier when nobody else in this world gets what you're going through, but that person. So. No, I think that's um, again. I can't. My mind comes to blank when you ask that question. That's just. I know, but that was a good answer. It's not. You can save all the money in the world, and you're still going to have the same problems you have at the end of the day when you lay your head down on a pillow. Like, yeah, it doesn't magically go away. But I've uh, again, thank you everybody for listening. I've greatly enjoyed the podcast. I look forward to listening to more episodes as Kelsey um, does it. If you have any questions for myself, um, you can still find me at a veteranspodcast.com. Um, and maybe we won't delete his email anytime soon. So what? No, so, no, we're not going to delete your email. I'm going to delete it. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but no, I, I'm thankful for the opportunity. I've worked here two and a half years, and I'm very thankful. I've never understood the veteran community until I've worked in it. Um, it is one of the hardest jobs in the world, and dealing with other veterans and their issues, and trying to help them better themselves. But um, in the two and a half years, it's been a great honor to work at Wisconsin Veterans Network. Um, and side note, I almost sometimes wish I never did to know like the bad apples and the good apples. Yeah. I'll keep my opinion to myself, (laughs) but, um, I've greatly appreciated it. It has definitely been an eye opener. And if anything, like, I hope when I move to Utah that I can continue working with veterans because it has been able to fill the void, um, that the military left and that it gives me a sense of purpose um, instead of putting on a tie every day and putting on a fake smile in a corporate world. So, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for being a part of this, Noah, and coming up with this great idea. Um, I hope I do it justice. I apologize in advance for all the Navy people I have on because um, right. <laughs> those are my people. Um, but thank you for listening to a Veterans Podcast today. To learn more about us, to hear previous episodes, or if interested in being on the show, you can find us at aveteranspodcast.com. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Wisconsin Veterans Network, a Wisconsin nonprofit operated by veterans and serving veterans in need.
Till next time. time.